Championship week is over. The Super Bowl is set, and you're listening to the Fanalist.pod on a Monday because we usually don't do a lot of game recaps, but I feel like for championship weekend and possibly last week too for the divisional round, it could have been necessary, but the Super Bowl matchup is set. Obviously, that matchup preview will come out on that next following Friday of next week. And I guess this is just recapping more so for the losers of yesterday's game than the winners. Cause of course we do know the Bengals and the Rams are moving on the first of those two games was just absolute bonkers. Um, we both obviously did have the chiefs winning the game, but um, I think obviously the fan in us wanted Joe Burrow to win. We just didn't think it could be done. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy Joe Burrow was the guy that proved us wrong. He almost seems like the second coming of Tom Brady. And I know that sounds very premature and crazy to say, but it's not just me saying it. I have to ask the Chiefs defensive coordinator saying it. A lot of analysts out there are saying it as well. And basically what happened yesterday was very Tom Brady-esque. This team was down 21-3 to against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and it kind of looked like sort of over. I think that big stop really came right before halftime when they got um, a stop on the Chiefs from stopping them from scoring a touchdown. And that really changed the game because I, I feel like if the Chiefs scored over there 20-3 and, you know, dare I say 28 to three once again um, in regards to Tom Brady. So, you know, kudos to Joe Burrow and this team for rallying. And, you know, now they are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, it was absolutely crazy the entire game. Obviously, when they went up to that early lead, um, I believe in the beginning of the second quarter, I was like, is this going to be a blowout? That was a real question in my mind because the Chiefs were just dominating. And uh, obviously, you know, the Bengals defense isn't the best, but just the way that the Patrick Mahomes was dicing them up, they really just made them look like, you know, just a very D-list defense. Uh, but obviously that turned around. And I think the turning point in that game was the Chiefs at the end of the uh, first half, you know, they had a chance to make it, I think, a four-score game. Um, they could have even kicked a field goal. And they had two tries in the end zone, both to end up did not converting. And Andy Reid kind of took a risk. I think the Chiefs kind of got cocky. And they thought that, you know, maybe we can just run it up and kind of, you know, end this before the second half even starts. They ended up getting no points on it. And I think that that really just boosted the um, uh, Bengals team overall because, you know, it, it was only 11-point game at that point. And, you know, they had every chance to do it. And shout-out to Joe Burrow, honestly. Like, there were three or four times in that game where he was getting sacked. You know, we know that – I we said this in our preview podcast. We've said it before. The offensive line of the Bengals just isn't good. And he was sacked nine times last week. And, you know, even yesterday, he was under pressure countless times and he was able to get out of it miraculously. You know, it really reminded me of Deshaun Watson um, from a couple mm-hmm. of seasons ago, you know, where Against he the Bills, yeah. a magician, you know, just escaping that defense. And Joe Burrow was doing that, made plays with his feet, extended plays, and that really pushed this comeback. Um, so we're just getting into it now. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to one-up you over there. And when I saw Joe Burrow get out of that pocket and everything, I was like, I just yelled. I was like, Eli Manning. I was like, oh my God, yeah. like this is literally <laughs> giving me shades of Super Bowl 42. And um, once again, just alludes in relation to Tom Brady, which is just the most beautiful part about football in this game and these comparisons. And I know that it sounds like, once again, I like there's never going to be another Tom Brady. Don't get me wrong, but I'm talking about just the mentality, the leadership, and just always being the underdog. And I think that that's what the Bengals have been this entire postseason. We, we both believed in them, obviously the Raiders game and Titans game, but this game was very different. Um, And of course, when I was writing up the article, I noticed that one crazy thing was that Patrick Mahomes has not lost to any other quarterback 
uh, other than Tom Brady in the postseason. You know, the Super Bowl, of course, and then in his first year um, and the AFC Championship. And that was also, I believe, his only home loss as well. So to lose to another quarterback and that to at home, up 21 to three, up 18 points is just absolutely ridiculous because Arrowhead is arguably the toughest environment in the modern day. Like since Mahomes has been there, basically playoff football in Arrowhead, especially late January when there's a championship game going on, it's, it's, it's very, very tough to win in that environment. So, you know, shout out to Cincinnati for really just rallying back and getting everyone involved. Of course, they did lose tight end CJ Uzama to, I believe it was an MCL sprain. Um, currently, but he is hopeful to return for the Super Bowl. Um, so we're going to see how everything kind of pans out over there. Yeah, obviously that's another weapon, which they definitely need. You know, obviously I think that, you know, we don't want to spend too much time talking about them because we're going to have a preview podcast next week, but that's going to be something to watch out for. I just kind of wanted to talk about the Chiefs because, you know, obviously we, we are kind of dedicating this podcast to more of a recap. And I think that, you know, I said that they got cocky. I really think that Andy Reid thought they could run up the score. Same with the rest of the offense. I want to shout out the Bengals defense for, you know, shutting out Tyree Kill in second half. He opened the, up the first half with seven catches, 78 yards, but really didn't do anything at all um, in the second half. And, you know, Eli Apple, one of the cornerbacks for the Bengals, was getting cooked all of the first half. And, you know, shout out to him. He really stepped it up. And I think that was a key part of that whole comeback. Um you know, Joe Mixon, we were talking about in the preview that, you know, he might mm-hmm. not even be a factor in this game. But I remember I mentioned that the Bengals have like a bottom five uh, run defense. And I thought that this is, you know, if there's a spot for a struggling team, like if they struggle in the first half, they kind of need to get back to the run game in order to take off some of the pressure of Joe Burrow. And Joe Mixon kind of gave them that spark. And I think that he's one of the, um, you know, obviously the limelight's on Joe, Joe Burrow, but he's kind of uh, the guy who, needs to get more credit and just really hasn't been talked about because I think that getting those runs, getting those extra yards set up the Bengals offense to be in a better spot. Um, yeah. Shout out to him. And I think that the chiefs really need to look in the mirror, not not really look in the mirror, but I think that, you know, people were calling this team a dynasty um, earlier, like this season. And I think that in order to win a dynasty, you need to win at least two Super Bowls in four years. And it's been four years now where they've mm-hmm. gone to the AFC championship, but it's just been, uh, you know, bitter defeat in I think two of those years, and obviously last year they lost in the Super Bowl. So I think yeah. we need to calm down on those talks of the Chiefs being a dynasty because in football yeah. dynasties are very hard to come by. You know, it's not like basketball where you yeah, know, the four players stay. And just want to talk about that. No, I mean I think it's it's very important that you actually brought that up, and the fact that you just mentioned basketball as well. I thought I was going to steer off topic just a little bit, but to kind of um, indulge in that thought, it kind of reminds me of LeBron James's time with the Miami Heat. You know, like even though he went there for what was it, four straight finals, I believe, with the Heat, that they only ended up winning two. Not to say that it wasn't successful. I mean, that's 0.500 at that point. And, you know, championships are championships, right? But it kind of reminds me of the Chiefs. They've been to four straight AFC championship games. Of course, in between, they had the back to back Super Bowl run and losing the former of the two of those Super Bowls. So, yeah, obviously, I think that, you know, Kansas City, I think that their time isn't necessarily coming to an end, but it's more of like, Hey, there are other teams in the AFC that are catching up to you, you know, and you need to, you need to keep in mind that, yeah, you guys have been doing this for long enough, but there's eventually going to be a time when teams are going to catch up to you because unlike the Patriots, the Patriots are more well-coached team and they always had, you know, Tom Brady taking pay cuts. They kept their core and the core in Kansas city is of course, Tyree kill Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. 
by no means do I think that any one of those three will be leaving, especially Mahomes, of course, for that 10 year extension. But it's going to be interesting to see how does their salary cap situation shape up after Mahomes' contract kicks in, which I believe is going to go into effect this offseason or the next one for sure, where, you know, he's ended up third 10 year, half a billion dollar deal. I think it's, I think it's next season. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, though, Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark are both. Like, hey, yeah, we want to be back in 2022, but we don't know if we're going to be back in 2022. And the thing is, once again, like there are teams out there that are in need of a great defensive back like Tyron Matthew. You could be literally your captain of the defense immediately upon signing. And like Frank Clark was an absolute closer in the playoffs. Grant City signs with a team that it's very pass rush friendly or they need someone like him. So when teams are willing to pay that amount, it kind of puts into account like, hey, you know, I've been in Kansas City for now basically three, four seasons. I've only won one ring, but it's like, should I go somewhere else and try to dethrone this team? And I think that th- that's def- definitely something these players are for sure thinking about. Yeah, obviously in football, there's more players. So it's just very hard to pay everyone and keep everyone satisfied because uh, it's just almost impossible to run it back with it in exactly. I think it's basically impossible because there's just so many people need to be paid, so many free agents every season. And you need the GMs really need to prioritize who they're going to pay. And obviously, you know, like you said, you know, Tyron Matthews is a very crucial part of that defense, but that defense came up short one too many times this season. And I think that we could be talking about a different story if, you know, Patrick Mahomes should get his fair share of blame. You know, he threw two interceptions, one very crucial one, a very terrible throw in overtime. But I think that if the defense maybe held up earlier in the game, he wouldn't even have to be put in that situation, you know, and I never thought it would come down to, you know, us talking about, you know, Mahomes choked, you know, he's really not that yeah. guy. He always shows up in the big moment in the, in the four seasons, three, four seasons that he's, he's been the starting quarterback for the chiefs. But yesterday just wasn't that day. And he had to make a play in overtime. They won the toss. I was getting, yeah. you know, kind of, I was, I was, I was week. mad. I was pissed. Cause again, even though we both picked the chiefs to win at that point, the fan kicked in me and I was like, yeah. not again. I was like, no, I was like, no, you cannot win the toss again i'm not gonna go through this again and then you know josh allen tweeted out pain (laughs) and i was like dude this (laughs) sucks like i feel so bad for you but you're going off that point real quick teams that lost the overtime coin flip um in playoff history were one in ten the bengals defied the odds and won the game so um it's it's a big deal to just not get that interception but you need to capitalize on that and that's where joe mixon just went absolutely bonkers yeah. and just were getting picking up like seven yards of rush almost per carry um, every time he's touching the ball on that drive. So they just set, set him up and, you know, Evan McPherson, perhaps literally, I, I, I he's the best kicker in the league. I mean, honestly, like you can't, Damn, you can't say no, that, because but... here's the thing. I know Justin Tucker exists, but the thing is like the kicker, the period to be the best is very short lived. And it's very quick. You can rise to stardom extremely fast as a kicker, because if you consistently show up when it matters the most, because that's your one job to do. And Evan McPherson has made back-to-back game-winning field goals for this team in the playoffs. So like the moment doesn't get any bigger. It doesn't get any bigger. And I believe that also he set the NFL record for the most 50 plus yard field goals. So it's kind of like this team trusts him. And I think that um, I'm I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I think Zach Taylor was definitely contemplating like, should we just kick it? from like the 50 some yard field. He's like, I mean, we'll make it, but obviously it was the smart thing to do. Just give the ball to Mixon. Hopefully he doesn't fumble and just get into a chip shot attempt, which obviously makes the most sense. But I mean, it just yeah. shows that how confident they are in, in McPherson. 
No, definitely. Um, I just want to say, like, when they kicked the field goal um, at the end of the fourth, I was like, they're going to lose. I really thought that they needed a touchdown there because we've seen Mahomes do it one too many times. You give him too much time on the clock. You know, last week, 13 seconds, he got them up and got them a field goal, right? But I thought that Mahomes was actually going to win it there, but they held it, the defense held up and they kept them three. And then again, obviously, it came up clutch again um, with the interception overtime. But I just want to ask you, uh, you know, the Chiefs season's obviously over now. If you're a Chiefs fan, you know, you can't be too disappointed because your team has been to back-to-back Super Bowls, uh, you know, four straight AFC championships. What is your message to a Chiefs fan or even the Chiefs team? What do you need to do down the stretch which make sure this doesn't happen again? Because, you know, I, and you can't say run it back because, like you said, there's just too many core pieces in football where you can't physically run it back again. So is yeah. there anyone they need to go out and get? Who's, what's the offseason move that they need to make? <laughs> I would say um, in terms of a message that I have for them, um, this doesn't just go to Chiefs fans. I think that this goes to Packer fans as well, especially it's enjoy it while it lasts. Um, and I, and I mean that in a weird way because there's two meanings to that. Um, I know the Packers are obviously weren't, didn't play this weekend, but to me, when I think about that as a fan of green Bay, I'm like, enjoy it while it lasts. What that means to me is Aaron Rodgers is probably going to leave. Right. That's one thing. Obviously that's a topic for another day, but with the chiefs, it's, it's this, you know, four straight AFC championship games, and, you know, obviously you guys did lose uh, two of them. And one of those seasons ended up being a Super Bowl. But when the contract kicks in and money plays a role, it's like this defense has already shown signs of being pretty bad down the stretch, especially this season when they started off, they were the worst defense in the league. That it's like, yeah, I get that you guys are going to have still probably arguably the most talented offense in the league, but that's not going to equate to wins down the stretch. Because keep in mind, if it wasn't for the Chiefs offense, they would they would be at home by now. They would be at home. And because the reason is like last week, Josh Allen was getting what he wanted. And I think the Bills wholeheartedly should have won. And if I can go back and predict that game again, I'm going to pick the Bills again because I believe they were the better team. Um, so once again, like it came down to a coin flip. And yes, the offense is going to win that battle nine out of ten times. Of course, yesterday being one out of ten times that it just happens to be a tip drill. The other team gets the ball. And what happened? What happened when the other team got the ball? They drove down on your defense. And keep in mind, this is the same defense that has Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, just to name a few. And if one of those three names, or sorry, one of those two, rather, meaning Frank Clark or Tyron Matthew, because Chris Jones is signed, it's it's going to be pretty hell-ish, if I want to say, looking at the Chiefs defense, because I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Josh Allen for years to come with Justin Herbert, who I believe the Chargers should have made the playoffs as well with Derek Carr with now that they have Josh McDaniels at head coach. I mean, the division itself is going to be looking tough. And if Aaron Rodgers comes into Denver or something like that, I mean, there's so many possibilities. Exactly. There's so many possibilities that it just comes down to enjoy it while it lasts Kansas city. Yeah. I think for me, I think obviously that too, but if just more specifically position wise, Daniel Sorensen needs to go. I think he's, he's, got to be one of the worst safeties in the league and I think that the Chiefs if you you want to bolster that defense we know that you're so talented offensively but maybe go out in the draft maybe in the trade get someone like Jesse Bates who you know made that key interception in the overtime and I think he's a top five safety despite him kind of I, playing I think in the beginning I think can um sorry not Kansas Cincinnati will franchise tag him honestly like because yeah. I, I don't see anyone in Cincinnati that they're like oh my god this guy's a free agent we need to keep him other than Jesse Bates you know, um, and that's granted that they don't 
figure out a contract extension of any kind. And I mean, if there's one thing that we've learned in sports, it's winning solves everything. And I think that if this season, even if they don't win a ring, Jesse Bates has to be like, wow, like we got a good team. Like this group got resiliency. We got a quarterback. We got our top wide out. We got the top running back. Like we have everything to be competitive on offense. And if I can just hold this down on defense, cause I am the most important player, arguably in the secondary, you know, so be it. So I think that, a franchise tag is definitely possible for Jesse Bates down the stretch, but, you know, just going into this entire thing about this whole Bengals rebuild as well, kind of transitioning from the chiefs to the Bengals, but it's worth noting that Cincinnati under Zach Taylor in 2019, they went two and 14 last year. They were four 11 and one. Of course, Joe Burrow did have that gruesome knee injury. And this year they're going to the Super Bowl. So it just shows once again, in an allude to Kansas city that you don't know who's coming and when they're coming. You know, and I mean, we, we never expected the Bengals. I think in, in the postseason, we were like, okay, yeah, this team could maybe make a deep playoff run. But once again, there's a difference between going to the AFC Championship, going to the Super Bowl. Like winning that game yesterday was huge. And I mean, I'm, I'm still in shock, but I'm so, so happy for Joe Burrow. You know, I think for both of us have done nothing but really just praise the kind of guy that he's been um, for the team all season long with, of course, uh, the addition of Jamar Chase. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm rooting for him to win the Super Bowl, but uh, that's yeah. it for me on this this game. You want to move on? Yeah, to no, issues? definitely. I would say, um, yeah, I mean, in, in regards to, of course, Joe Burrow and likableness, I don't think you're going to agree with me on this, but I love Matthew Stafford, too. I know, you know, he, wear, he wears number nine. I think that <laughs> this guy's also, here's the difference between this in the Super Bowl matchup. I know that we don't want to get too much into it, but I just want to say this, all right? Yesterday, I mean, you, of course, you know, I was, I was at the game. Um, and it was, it was more of like, you know, I, I know that San Francisco made it, but they beat my Packers. I wouldn't want them to win. I don't have it in me to be like, Hey, I want the Niners to win, but it's more of like, I was just a Rams fan yesterday because I wanted Matthew Stafford to win. You know, I think he's paid his dues in Detroit. It's his first playoff run, similar to Joe Burrow as well. Um, and now that he's going to the Super Bowl, I think the Rams is what they've been thinking of all season long. Um, and this is what they went all in for, if you want to say, you know, they traded for Jalen Ramsey a couple of seasons back. They went out, got Von Miller this year. They went out, got Odell Beckham Jr. This year. And of course, most importantly, just, just a, a calendar year ago, they traded for Matthew Stafford um, as well. So I think this team was absolutely equipped to, you know, go out there, do what they need to do. Um, and obviously going to their second Super Bowl appearance under Sean McVay. Yes, sir. I, you know, he, he, he did his thing for the most part, Eight for 15 for 140 yards and two touchdowns on passes thrown for 10 or more yard, uh, yards downfield. And, you know, we talked about this last week. McVay's scheme is kind of he will go for the deep shot. And yesterday it worked more times than not compared to week 18. But, you know, he still had that pick. He had that tip pick. He should have had another pick. You know, it went – it's, it's going to pain me for months to come with that picture of yeah. – Jaquise guitar, guitar, yeah. Yeah, just, just dropping that pick, which went right to him. That's what I told you about Stafford. He will throw the picks. He – you know, there's, you know, he's very talented, but he does make a lot of mistakes at the same time. There's a reason he led the league tied with Trevor Lawrence for interceptions this season. Right. Mm -hmm. And he should have had two. that pick. If, if Tark comes up with that pick, we're, we might be talking about a whole different game, which is why I'm hesitant to put him in. I still think, you know, he's a top 10, top 12 quarterback for sure, but I don't know if I can put him ahead of guys like even Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, you know, obviously mm -hmm. you know, I Josh agree with Allen, that Josh Allen at all. Definitely not. But I agree. I agree. Russell Wilson who kind of fell off this year. Matthew Stafford, there's a reason why he did put up numbers in Detroit with, you know, I don't want to say bums around him other than like Calvin Johnson and Galladay, but mm -hmm. there's a reason why he's never been able to maybe go over the hump this year. Oh, sorry, until this year. And, 
you know, you need a complete team for any quarterback, but I could see I that pick right there, that missed pick shows that he can choke at any time. I'm just, that's all. You know? I would say, see, I understand where you're coming from, but I would say the key word to why he didn't make the playoffs or why he'd rather, my apologies, more importantly, why he didn't win a playoff game. Um, and the key word there is in Detroit. In Detroit. <laughs> like that's, that's what we need to know. It was in Detroit. And um, I mean, you said it, you said it once again, you need a complete team around you. And I think that the Rams are a team that, you know, yeah, they have all the talent in the world. Quite frankly, they should have been a better team than what was displayed all season long for the most part. Um, And I think that, you know, in regards to the Niners loss last night, like, yeah, I agree with you. Like we would probably be talking about a very, very different game if Chakwisuki Tart came up with that interception. But the other thing that was very intriguing to me was that, you guys punted three times in Rams territory. And that's, what's very, um, I don't know, like maddening. It's just, if I'm, yes, if I'm a Niner fan, that's what I'm mad about. Um, and as a Packer fan too, I was pretty pissed. Cause I'm like, all right, so you guys pull the aggressive play calling against green Bay. You have it your way. Um, and, and we lost, but, and then <laughs> yeah, I guess can the I just, Rams. Can I just, can I just speak mm-hmm. on that real quick? You know, like obviously everyone knows I'm a Niners fan and just that you, you mentioned it like, this is a very, I'm not blaming, you know, everyone has a piece of pie in the blame, right? For this loss, Kyle Shanahan for sure, Jimmy G for sure. But regards to Shanahan, you can't do that. You know, uh, we know that he has a history of playing safe. You know, he calls plays scared is the way I do. He coaches scared sometimes, especially when he has a lead and that 10 point lead going into the fourth did not look safe at all, you know, but he did it multiple times that fourth and two, is just you got to go for that there. You could have put the game away. Obviously, we know Jimmy G has limitations at quarterback. We've, we've been through that, but you got to put your team in the best position. And I think punting that many times, not being aggressive, is going to cost you these big games. And it's cost him before. It cost him the Super Bowl with the Falcons, cost him the Super Bowl with the Niners, and now this third game. I think there was a stat where uh, you know, teams going into with a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of championship games are 19-2. and two. And both those two games have been lost by Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Graham. Right. Yeah. yeah. See, the thing is, the thing is, I I agree with you, but I'm gonna put the loss more on. Um, actually, no. I mean, you're right. I mean, in terms of like, it should be Shanahan for getting them to that point. But the thing is, defensively, though, you guys did crumble down the stretch a lot. Um, and I don't know if D'Amico Ryan's is there Hello. playing for that or Kyle Shanahan. Because yeah. here, here, keep in mind, here's the thing. Like Cooper Cup had 11 catches, 142 yards, and two scores last night. You know, and that's the first 10-102 playoff game in Rams franchise history since 1950. Um, you know, just weird stuff. But Ridiculous, bro. Like that's the thing. That, yeah, go ahead. No, um, yeah, no. But what I was saying, though, is that the thing is, though, six of those 11 catches were Came third downs. Down. Yeah, I know exactly. And you can't. <laughs> That can't happen. Like that can't happen. And, um, you know, I even, I even wrote in my article, like I thought that, I mean, I, rather we both also talked about this, that we thought that Odell Beckham Jr. was going to be more of the X factor because it was inevitable that Cooper Cup was going to have his way here and there. But we thought that Odell Beckham Jr. was going to get more of the easier looks. Yeah, I, I remember exactly. You, you guys can go back and listen to that pod towards the end. I said that if Odell has a day, Niners are screwed. You know, I did not think he was going to have 100 yards again because we had locked him up for most of the the two games that we played this season where, uh, you know, obviously he played and uh, it was just very frustrating because the defense, though, I don't want to blame this on the defense because they still only gave up 20 points and that's seven points uh, below the Rams season average. So, you know, like it's just very hard for me to blame the defense because they've been phenomenal all year, but 
you know, the front four didn't really hit home to Stafford as much as I thought that they would. Um, the secondary crumbled down the stretch, but the secondary's all, always been a weakness for us. But it really, for me, you know, Jimmy's G stat line is very deceiving. You look at that and you think, you know, two touchdowns, 16 for 30, 235 yards, a pick is not that bad of a thing. But if you saw the way he played in the fourth quarter, he was three for nine, for yeah. 33 yards with a 4.2 pass rating and a late game interception, which you know, he just, that's just, it's I've, just the Jimmy G yeah. story. You know? And that, that's a fitting end, I think, to Jimmy G's um, time, you know, in SF, resume, yeah. Yeah, time in SF. It's just him throwing an interception on that last play, a desperation team. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, like people think that I hate on Jimmy Garoppolo, and I get it, I get it. Last podcast too, I, I absolutely, you could say I slandered him for a span of 15 seconds when I had the chance. But the thing is, Jimmy Garoppolo has a ceiling. I think he has the ability to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Does he have the ability to do that in SF? No. Has he ever been that in SF? No. And I'm going to yeah, say by that. Maybe in 2019 he was. Even in 2019, I'm... I, I, I didn't like his numbers in 2019 because if you look at it, take out the two games that he had against the Cardinals that season and the Bengals in week three or four, I believe that was um, those three games. If you take that out about half of his touchdowns get reduced to the point where he has Saints more interceptions. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. And the Saints game too. Those are four games right there out of a 16 game season. So take away a fourth of that and two of them against the Cardinals as well. Keep that in mind. They were a very bad team that you're in secondary you take those four games away, he will have more interceptions than touchdowns thrown that season. So that is why I believe that it's a little bit of a skewed um, data set, you could say. But um, yeah, I mean, so be it. Yes, he did. He did go to the championship game. But once again, in the two biggest games leading up to the Super Bowl, you guys ran the ball <laughs> so much. And I think that he threw what I think like 12 passes against the Vikings. I'm not sure what his numbers was against Vikings, but I remember against Green Bay, like my Packers, he threw the ball eight times, right? He threw the ball eight times in a championship game and walked away with a 17 point victory. It was. So once again, if you guys want to say, Oh, he wins games. No, he does not. Quarterbacks is not a win yeah, stat. I, you I know hate me. it. I've, I've never been an advocate for that. You know, and I've, I hate I'm, that. I yeah. hate hearing that. Oh, he wins though. Like, yeah, it's such a lazy. Thing. What's no? He breeds on the field when you guys win. <laughs> All yeah, right, yeah. it's that. It's that simple. And I mean, I I'm not trying to insult to the point to say, oh, this is a bottom ten quarterback. He's not to me. He's in the twelve to fifteen range. All right, he is just an, as an above average quarterback. He is there. He can deliver passes here and there. But once again, even yesterday too, like you guys scored with Debo, right? But he threw like a five yard screen. It's nothing special. Your backup can do that. It's really nothing special. But yes, yeah, I'll give credit where credit to. He had a great throw to George Kittle in the fourth to take the lead, um, and that was when you guys went up seventeen seven, I believe. Yeah. So um, you know, it's or sorry, that was in the third quarter. My bad. Um, and the, to start the fourth quarter, of course, that's when things took a turn. With um, the Rams were already in the red zone. They scored a minute twenty into the fourth, um, made it seventeen fourteen, and then of course um, forcing a turnover with the uh, not a turnover. My bad forcing a punt. Um, and I think that, that that's definitely what the difference was in the game. Those two plays where it was fourth and two, I thought the Niners were going to go for it because everyone was like up on their feet. And so if I were like, all right, here we go, you know, like you want to go to war, let's go to war. And then he just took the delay of game and punted it for the third time. And that was in Rams territory. So I was like, all right, I, Stafford. Yeah. yeah Stafford, of I, course, first play throws it. Jacques guitar had a chance to come up with the play um, literally on that first drive. It would really, change the momentum of the game completely so 
I think, well, you know, we were, we really weren't able to run the ball much this game, which is a big problem. But also I want to say that, you know, after the 12 minute mark of the fourth quarter, the 49ers, believe it or not, had zero positive yards on offense. It was all three and outs, you know, just drop backs to Jimmy G, uh, you know, incomplete passes. I am just astounded that Kyle Shannon didn't go once to the run game. Devo Samuel did not touch the ball after the 12 minute mark, which is absolutely unacceptable when you're up, you want to burn some clock. What more can you do with, you know, one of the best playmakers in the game? You know, I think it's just absolutely unacceptable. And that kind of just goes back to what we were saying about Shannon. He kind of just freezes in these big game moments when he has a lead, he plays scared. I don't know what comes over him, but it's just not the Kyle Shanahan that we know and love. We know that he can be like, a, you know, obviously top five coach when he really needs to be. But in those situations, he just doesn't put his team to be in a good spot. But obviously tough loss for me. I'm, it's going to be a while till I get over it for sure. The rest of you guys, Niners fans. Um, but what do you think? What is the big move for the 49ers this offseason kind of transitioning to, you know, the, the preview of next season for these both Chiefs and the Niners? Obviously, Trey Lance is the big question. Um, mm-hmm. but what else? I just want to hear your thoughts about what's next for the Niners, obviously. End of the well, yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to say that. I mean, I was first going to ask you, I mean, what do you think it is? And I think we both would have the same answer with yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo possibly um, on the move. You know, he is expected to, yeah, he yeah. is expected to undergo um, thumb surgery, um, four to six week recovery period. I believe that's what it is. And that just in time for the new league, new league year to start. Um, I do expect a lot of like trade buzz to come in, but nothing to be imminent until he's confirmed fully healthy, ready to go. Um, it's just going to be intriguing on where he lands up because I'm not going to lie to you based on this performance too. I don't see the Niners getting a first round pick for him. That's what you guys are asking prices too. I don't think so either. So it's, it's going to come to a crossroads once again of Shanahan kind of believing that Garoppolo is worth a first-round pick, but at the same time, he's like, but he can't be my quarterback, you know? So that's, that's, the, that's the point where, you know, we need to see how things shape up and are the Niners going to change their asking price? Are they not going to change it? Or, like, how's the, what's that going to lead to? Because, quite frankly, if they refuse to budge on that asking price, you know, we could get another – weird Ben Simmons situation, except where Garoppolo will actually play. And it's going to be weird because you might want to be very similar to Ben Simmons because you wouldn't want Garoppolo to even be there. You'd probably want Trey Lance to start. If if Jimmy G starts next year, this whole trading the three first round picks for Trey Lance has just been a whole waste. I will be very upset at management, at Kyle Shanahan, if Jimmy G even plays a snap next year because there's no way. You, ha- you had Trey sit this year, fine. Develop and whatever he learned from Jimmy G, move on. We saw what Jimmy can do. We know his limitations. You guys tried to run it back one last year in the stubbornness that Shanahan had, and it didn't work. You know, just we, I think he knows it at this point. I think I would be absolutely shocked if I, I, I'm very close to even making a guarantee that he'll never play another snap for the 49ers again. I don't think mm-hmm. he's, I think he's gone by, you know, next before, uh, before the uh, next season starts for sure. I think during the yeah. trade deadline for sure. But for pieces that they need, I think you, get some secondary help, maybe get some right guard help that right side of the offensive line kind of struggles at times. And obviously Trey Lance is the big story. Can the 49ers, I think if the 49ers make the playoffs with Trey Lance next season, it's going to be successful because I don't expect him to come out and be like this top 10 quarterback, obviously. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. he's going to have his growing pains and that's just something to watch out for. But I think, yeah, the thing about Trey Lance that, um, you know, I, I personally like about him is that it's Kyle Shanahan's offense and it's going to be commanded by a quarterback that is mobile. You know, and that's that's something that's very, very interesting because 
Trey Lance compared to Jimmy Garoppolo, like, I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo, like, sure, there have been times when the going gets tough, like, he can deliver at times, but more times than not, he's not been able to deliver, you know, and that I've been, I've been saying that for a long time. And, you know, I just pulled up an article that I wrote in 2019 for Super Bowl 54 in my prediction. I had the Chiefs winning that game, of course, and as they did, but I said one thing, and that was third downs are going to be key. And if this game is close in the fourth quarter, the 49ers will be forced to throw the ball. And that's where the Chiefs take advantage. You want it? The way to beat the Niners is to make Garoppolo throw. And that's not what really happens with a lot of teams. Because once again, the Niners up 17 to 7, it kind of looked like you guys were cruise control, you know, until, of course, the Rams got the ball, drove down the field and scored. That's when it became a ball game. And Shanahan's like, crap, now we got to throw the ball. You know, and when that's ever the issue, it's like it becomes like, all right, like <laughs> there's a reason why he went out and drafted a quarterback. He threw three first round picks to get Trey Lance that it's you don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. So it's like I don't I don't understand like why some of the fan bases believe in him. And I get it. I get that he was there for a cerebral run. I get that there's a bit of nostalgia there. But in just look at it purely statistically speaking Jimmy Garoppolo is not a top quarterback and once again that kind of preludes to what I was saying about you're not going to get a first round pick for him it's going to complicate things because I mean this offseason is going to be filled with um, a lot of questions because as well as the thing is that I think San Francisco needs to also get an extension possibly done for Debo Samuel um, and Nick Bosa probably too I don't think that those two are going to be demanding an extension but sure preliminary talks should be underway um sooner than later so you know just a lot of stuff guys need to get paid it kind of goes in like the chief situation too you know you got to make everyone happy a bit um and i feel that it's it's more so possible in san francisco because you have a young quarterback coming in it's a very cheap contract and, and you lose jimmy g's cap hit you know exactly was, at one point he was the highest paid quarterback in the league believe it or not yeah uh, which is just very disappointing here but just one last thing i want to say is that i'm just very excited you know though the season ended um kind of brutally and kind of heartbreaking for me but we did overachieve this year at one point we were three and five so it's still i think a successful, it's a successful season, season. Um, it's a successful but I'm just season. very uh, excited to see how Kyle Shanahan's playbook opens up with Trey Lance because I think he's just such a dynamic player and hopefully we see that um, in a few months yeah no 100% I think that you know San Francisco they're they're in for a treat with Trey Lance um, I'm not going to go to the point to say oh they'll make the playoffs or they'll miss the playoffs next year I mean keep in mind this team still has a top five defense in my eyes um, I have a lot of respect for the 49ers and especially Kyle Shanahan I just don't respect Garoppolo I think that he needs to earn it and I don't think San Francisco is the place where I'm going to continue to give him respect as long as he's in a run first off offense you know um whereas you know of course Matthew Stafford I think that that's someone that you owe your flowers to um I know that you've been calling him a fraud and everything but hey come on man like I mean when he delivered he, he, when it mattered the most he did like I said like he was clutch on those uh especially on the throws like 10 or more yards he, he mm -hmm. I, See, that's what you need from a quarterback. Yeah. He's not a check down guy. And right, like, right. I, I like the sense of aggressiveness, though. I like the sense of aggressiveness because in a weird way, it gives SF a fighting chance. Like, you know, of Chris with Jacquees guitar, like he could have come up with the interception. You know, like it's kind of like, you know, Stafford's going to throw it deep. It's like, all right, let's have ourselves a game, you know? That's the thing about Stafford. He's very talented, but I also think he makes far too many mistakes to be considered mm -hmm. one of the elite of the elite. But we yeah. know that you don't need to be – a top three quarterback in order to win a Super Bowl. You know, it's just yeah. no disrespect to Stafford, but he's just not there. He's not top five. I don't 
maybe he's top seven. I don't know about that. Even. Maybe now yeah. he is. But No, I, I just, agree with you. I think that he's just sitting outside of top five, but he's for sure in the, in the, the sorry, the six to 10 range, 100%. Probably it's just a matter season, of, yeah. you know, you got to see like where, where he lines up. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we got it. We got ourselves a great cerebral ahead. And I think it's a very, very weird matchup. Um, for sure, given the fact that how things went this um, this playoffs, I thought it, would, it could have been the Bucks or the Packers in the NFC, quite frankly, and certainly not the Bengals in the AFC. But yeah, no, here we are with the with the Rams and the Bengals in the Super Bowl, and of course, the Rams are the second team in NFL history to host a Super Bowl, um, following the Bucks last year. It's back to back seasons, and believe it or not, hundred and one years of football before that never happened. And now we got two straight years. So if anyone is wondering, the Arizona Cardinals are supposed to be hosting the Super Bowl next season. So if the Cardinals can keep that streak alive, which I believe won't happen, <laughs> they have a whole lot of work to do. But, um, you know, that's that. I guess the NFC West is going to be packed next season. Yes, sir. Um, obviously, you know, look out for the preview pod coming sometime next week. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll that'll be more fun pack more of a preview compared to this recap that we just had definitely definitely yep it just i guess it's it's a tough podcast to listen to if you're a niners or a chiefs fan or anything like that but hey you can't even if you're a niners fan you can't help but be happy for joe burrow because i feel like that's who the san francisco the entire west coast will be supporting yeah, definitely um, in this game yes sir but, yep joe shiesty yep yep <laughs> joe burr but it is what it is so that's all that we got for you guys today. Stay tuned for more at the fanalist.pod. Sharma Ramachandran and signing off with Rohan Naranjan. Surable LVI podcast coming out next Friday.